It's Divas That Care Radio. Stories, strategies, and ideas to inspire positive change. Welcome to Divas That Care, a network of women committed to making our world a better place for everyone. This is a global movement for women, by women, engaged in a collaborative effort to create a better world for future generations. To find out more about the movement, visit divasthatcare.com after the show. Right now, though, stay tuned for another jolt of inspiration. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Divas That Care. My name is Candace Gish. Well, I want to thank each and every one of you that has tuned in for our broadcast today. I'm really excited. We're going to be welcoming a new diva to our family. Her name is Jean Kanagoji, and I'm so excited to chat with her. I haven't had the opportunity to get to know her yet, but I know about her story, and I, I'm excited to hear from her. If this is your very first time tuning into the Divas That Care, a huge welcome. We are now in our 11th season, and we are listened to in over 30 countries around the world. It's because of all of you amazing listeners that it's been possible to do this, so a big thank you so much. As I was saying, today's guest is Jean, and welcome to the show, Jean. I'm so excited to have you. Well, thank you, Candice, and thank you, everybody, for listening to what I have to tell everybody. Well, we're very excited to have you, Jean. Um, one of the things I always ask my, my guests is if they could spend a little bit of time kind of introducing yourself to all of us today. Absolutely. Well, uh, let's see. My name is Jean Kanakogi, and I'm born and raised in Brooklyn. I am a fifth-degree black belt in judo, and with the Olympics going on, we could talk a little bit more about judo. I'm also a former member of the U.S. judo team back in the day. I am a current federal agent. I'm still employed active law enforcement. I have a PhD in psychology. And aside from my day job, I volunteer as the director of mental health and peer support for the Federal Law Enforcement Officers Association. I'm a 9-11 first responder. Uh, I volunteer as an advisor for Blue Hearts for Heroes, which is an organization that helps law enforcement families with special needs children. Uh, I wrote a book called Get Up and Fight, and it is the story of the mother of women's judo, which was also my mother, and how she got women's judo into the Olympics with, uh, through grit and, and resilience because she had an uphill battle to break these glass ceilings and how she teamed up with Billie Jean King and the Women's Sports Foundation and really took on all of the naysayers that didn't want women to have equality. And uh, here's a fun fact. I took second place in the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. So fire <laughs> away with some questions. I'm happy to talk about any of the aspects uh, that, that I had mentioned. So hopefully uh, some of the listeners either are going to get hot dogs or they're ready to exercise and start stepping on the mat and doing judo or laying on the couch and listening to me talk as a psychologist. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely amazing. Well, welcome to the Divas team. We're very excited to chat with you today. And oh my goodness, are you a busy woman? I had no idea that you had you were doing so many things. And it's just amazing that you have the time to come on to the Divas. So we really do appreciate that. Well, thank you. I'm happy to be here because your mission and what you guys do and the message that you send out is just so uh, fantastic. And if it reaches somebody to really find who they are and find their get up and fight, well, a job well done. Oh, thank you so much. Well, you know, speaking of which, we were talking about judo, and it's funny you were mentioning that because I was actually watching it first thing this morning before I started work today, and I thought, this is amazing. I'm like, what these women are doing right now 
is just extraordinary and that you mentioned your mom doing this. So I want to talk kind of about that because it's kind of, it's exciting. You know, I, I was talking to my daughters today and we were all watching this together first thing this morning. And I thought, isn't this amazing what these women are doing? And now to have you on the program kind of explaining that and sharing with our listeners is just going to make it even more exciting. Well, you know, it's very exciting, but to see women's judo in the Olympics, because Every single time I see a young girl have aspirations to want to be an Olympian, I know that it was because of what my mother did, because of what I did, because I grew up in in her shadows, and I was one of the original signatories on uh, a lawsuit filed for discrimination uh, against the International Olympic Committee uh, for human rights violations because women were not given equality. Uh, Let me dial Mm -hmm. it back, back all the way. In 1955, my mother, Rusty Kanakogi, uh, she was a, a, a scruffy person. She grew up with a tumultuous childhood in Coney Island, Brooklyn, New York, and she had a lot of energy. So that energy tended to get her a little bit in trouble here and there with the law. Um, but then she got married early and it was a poor choice. The husband at the time was, was heavily into drinking more than being a, a husband. So she went to Al-Anon to try to support him and thinking he was at AA, but yet he was at the bar, but that's a whole nother story. And uh, she met a friend and she said, Hey, you know, you look like you work out. Maybe I should just exercise. And, you know, I've got all this energy. And he said, I do judo. And she, she asked him, well, what's judo? And he showed her, he picked her up in a judo throw on his hip. Like she was a lightweight, a piece of paper. Now she was five foot nine, a hundred, about almost 200 pounds of all muscle. And she said, that's it. I'm hooked. So in 1955, she went to the, yeah, she went to the YMCA and she's like, I need to get in this judo class. I need to learn. And she was greeted with, well, I'm sorry, ma'am, but no women are allowed to do judo. If you want to do calisthenics, this is the way. And she said, no, I want judo. She she had this energy, burning desire to uh, put her energy in a positive way. So she persisted. And this is where she started building and understanding persistence. Uh, she persisted, and they let her in the judo class. So she was the only woman, and she trained with these guys, and eventually she started getting their respect. So fast forward to 1959, she went to go support them. They went to a judo tournament, and it was a championship, the YMCA champs. They were, there were no women allowed to compete because when she walked in, she said, wow, you know, this would be great if I can compete, but no women. Well, one of her teammates got injured, and her coach said, hey, Rusty, we're putting you in. Uh, you know, she was androgynous looking. She was very athletic. Her hair was short. So nonetheless, but she put an ace bandage around her chest just to make sure that um, she wasn't discovered. And the coach <laughs> told her, well, you know what, just pull a draw. That's it. Don't call, call attention to yourself. Don't win a point. Just, just even. We just need the body uh, to take the place. So... As she's on the mat and in, in judo, as you said, you watched, you have to fight for your grip, and it almost becomes a battle just to get the perfect grip so you can execute yeah. a throw. And I should pause for a second and explain to the listeners, now judo cons- consists of throws and immobilizations or pins, and so you have to pin somebody or immobilize them for 20 seconds flat on their back, 
throw them. If you execute a full point, you win. It's called an ipon. And also, you can armbar or arm lock someone into submission or until their arm submits. And, uh, and if you think about Kayla Harrison and Ronda Rousey, so you understand what an armbar is. And then there's also chokes. You can choke your opponent until either they submit or their body submits and, they, and they're out. Uh, I like when the British talk about it because they actually say, well, you can strangle your opponents. So they use that word. <laughs> so here she is. She steps on the mat, and she's thinking, wow, you know, that's so cool that I was alleviated of the pressures to win like the men. But wait a minute. That's not fair. I should have the same pressures. Well, she gets into this grip fight with this guy that her opponent, who didn't know she was a woman, so, you know, it was just an opponent, and it was almost like a street brawl. She gets her grip, and she comes in and executes her technique. Well, she throws this guy, smashes this guy, and wins a full point. And, she, and because she won, her team won first place. So now they're getting their medals. She get an, got a medal around her neck. And she thought, wow, this is great. I'm getting a medal for fighting instead of a citation. So this is even better. <laughs> uh, here she is walking to her car, all proud, just really just, just savoring this moment. And the tournament director comes over and asks for a word. Now, as you know, human beings, when somebody says a word or we need to talk, you, we right away go to the catastrophic thoughts. So her mind went there. But then she said, well, you know, this is a great day. Maybe he's going to compliment me. Well, it didn't happen. He said, are you a girl? And she, she's like, I didn't even want to answer him. He didn't even dignify asking me if I was a woman, as if I was a, a child. And she looked at him, and he explained, we know you're a girl, and girls can't compete. Women are not allowed in, to compete in judo. So we'll need that medal back, and if you don't give it back, your whole team will forfeit. And inside, she was burning. I mean, she wanted to smash this guy through the mat, but she knew the right thing to do was not give back was to give back her medal because her team fought so hard and all of these medals were rightfully awarded and rightfully won fair and square, but she gave it back. And when she handed that back, that was the the turning point. This is where she found her purpose because she exclaimed inside that no woman will ever suffer such an indignity ever again. And she gave the medal back and she said, not on my watch. And this is where she defined her purpose. Her purpose in Japanese, we call it the ikegai. Ikegai is finding your way. Really, it it translates to the reason you're alive. And there's a lot of Japanese reference because judo is a Japanese sport. So judo means the gentle way. And in judo, there are are two principles, jitu kyoe and serioko zenyo, which means pretty much maximizing efficiency and uh, mutual benefit for all. That's why the bow and we look down and we really thank our opponent for helping us become a better person. So she knows somebody ratted her out for being a woman because how else would they have known? She gave the medal back and she said, that's it. I need to do something. You know, when somebody says, oh, somebody needs to do something and then we all sit there and look. Well, she is that somebody, and she is that somebody who was doing something. Yes, and then in 1962, thank you. In 1962, she hopped a flight to Japan, and it's not like you and I think about hopping a flight to Japan these days. 
she it, it was it was a struggle to scrape together the money to get to Japan to even get a suitcase to go to Japan. She didn't speak a lick of Japanese, but they made arrangements for her to train and learn judo at the Mecca, which is the Kodokan, where judo was born, and that's where she wants to go. She gets to Japan, and Mm -hmm. they put her immediately on the woman's side. The woman's side is where they practice kata, which is the form practice, and it's great because you learn your beautiful judo techniques, but it's not the fighting. There's no resistance of the fight. She wanted to be on the men's side. She wanted that get up and fight. Well, finally, mm-hmm. of course, as boisterous and persistent as, as she was, they let her in the men's side, and she really embodied that Japanese proverb or mantra, fall down seven, get up eight, because she was thrown constantly. But she was also earning the respect of the men, the Japanese men training on the Kodokan. She even trained in the uh, police dojo or police school where, they, where the police were learning to fight because they were non-gun carrying, so they really needed to embrace judo. But the funny story is one of her training partners that she met at the Kodokan went home for, I guess they had a break, and his father told him, son, I saw that woman at the Kodokan. Do you know her? She's very big and strong. And he said, yes, yes, that's my friend. So he told him, well, you know, think about marrying her because she'll give you big, strong babies. (laughs) And, well, I call that man dad. He took the advice of his father, and he was was very sweet on my mom. Uh, And I am big, strong baby number one. Oh, my gosh. What a story. (laughs) (laughs) And Candace, it goes on and on. And by the way, if anybody's interested, our website is RustyKanakogi.com, or you can Google me or put it up on your site or whatever the case is. If you get it from our website, I will sign the book and personally send it to you. We're also available on Amazon, Get Up and Fight, and I'm the uh, the co-author of the book. The coolest thing about this is I wrote this book with my mom before she passed because we would just send chapters back and forth and we would clean it up and, and just sometimes we would start writing and just go hysterically mm-hmm. laughing, uh, but especially when it came to hot dogs and, and how I took seconds <laughs> in the hot dog eating contest because it was all to get publicity for women's judo. This woman was relentless to make sure that women's judo was recognized. So here we go. Oh now she's married to a Japanese man who had no idea what he was in for. Uh, if you remember back in the day, uh, Samsonite versus Kanakogi, the karate guy that came out and beat up all the luggage, well, that's my dad. So it, not the gorilla for American tourists there, but for Samsonite luggage, my father was the one, or high karate um, aftershave, he was the one karate chopping the, uh, the, the limes. So... Now, oh, wow. She, she said, you know, now women's judo, they, in 1974, they had the first nationals, so nationally women who, were competing, who wanted to compete in judo, they can compete nationally. But she said, no, we're going for the Olympics. So she wanted to go in the 1980 Olympics, uh, the ones in Moscow that didn't happen for the United States. So she started a movement. She, she collected people, people who were like-minded. They didn't even know what they were fighting for, but she collected people. <laughs> she went to 
a women's sports foundation function where Billie Jean King just formed the Women's Sports Foundation because at that time they were also fighting for Title IX, for equality. She walked up to Billie Jean King and she said, I'm Rusty Kanakogi from Brooklyn, New York. I represent judo. We have a ton of discrimination in women's judo and all sports. We've got work to do. And yeah. Billie Jean said, you got it, Rusty. Let's do this. So they, they were lifelong friends. And actually, Billie Jean King wrote the forward to our book, uh, Get Up and Fight. So here they are. They're fighting oh, for so Title Nine. Uh, Rusty now approaches and says, to, says I want to have women's judo in the Olympics. And they tell her no. So most of the time, people are like, who's they? I'll tell you who they are. They were the misogynists that were in charge. One of the things that their excuse, well, women really shouldn't be competing at the Olympic level. Well, you know, you can hurt your reproductive organs. So, of course, Rusty's personality, just to give you a glimpse, Rusty retorted, well, then you guys should stop doing judo because our parts are on the inside. So just to give you a little bit, and by the way, the book is written in Rusty's tone. So Rusty is telling you the story, and that's what makes it so unique because you will sit there and you will have Rusty in your head telling you this with all of her um, Brooklyn, Yiddish, and Japanese mix of of however she expresses it, you know, Rustyisms. So they said, okay, well, fine. You want to have a, a women's judo in the Olympics. You need a world championships. And she said, okay, fine, I'll hold the world championships. And, they, and like a schoolyard uh, tease, well, where are you going to do this, Rusty? And she said, well, I'll have it at Madison Square Garden. And then when she saw the words coming out of her mouth, she's like, oh, how the heck am I going to do this? <laughs> you know, we're, we're just people from Brooklyn. And they said, fine, you do that. And she walked out of that room, head held high, and said, oh, no, now what? She shows up at our judo school and she announces, hey, guys, you know, um, dues are paid. You know, you have to pay your dues next Tuesday and we're holding a world championship. And I didn't know. I was only a 14-year-old <laughs> kid. So I'm like, all right, sure, I'm, I'm in. And all of, and then my father's like, but, hey, we only have like $150 in the bank. How, how is this going to happen? And believe it or not, she mortgaged our, our home and she rented Madison oh, Square Garden to give these women the opportunity to weigh in on the same scales as Joe Frazier and Muhammad Ali. And 40 years later, they still are talking about, they cannot believe that they competed in Madison Square Garden. I mean, this was the biggest thing possibly in so many people's lives. And she had 127 competitors, 25 countries, and she pulled it off. She got a sponsor. One of our sponsors was Sasson Jeans. Remember the OK symbol? Yeah. Cole Gez, the, the owner of Sasson, had no idea why he was sponsoring, what he was doing, but he sat for two days during this judo competition just <laughs> being there. He, and, and this is one of the people, with these, he was one of the people she collected to get involved. He knew he had to do something. He didn't know why he was doing it, but he knew it was the right thing. So uh, this is what happened. Subsequently, another world championships was held in Paris a few years later, and a major championships was held in Japan. So she knew that, hey, 1984, we're a shoo-in. It's Los Angeles. We have to be included. It's our home turf. Well, they told her no. 
Well, she didn't take that lightly. She teamed up with the American Civil Liberties Union and uh, the Human Rights Group and filed a lawsuit against the International Olympic Committee. She went to Los Angeles. She was put ready to put an injunction on the Olympics and stop the games because of discrimination. Now, keep yeah. this in mind. This is, this is a woman from Brooklyn with no real formal education, came from a, a, a poor, broken family. And what she had was her grit, her guts, resilience, intestinal fortitude, and her tenacity. And she just kept on going. Well, she filed that suit. And do you know, Candace, in 1988, she walked into that Olympic stadium in Seoul, Korea, with a three-woman team, and that was her gold medal because she won. Women's <laughs> judo oh got gosh. into the Olympics, and that was her gold medal. Um, I was, I, unfortunately, I, I blew out my knee right before, so it was kind of bittersweet because I should have been there as well. But I was, my knee was blown out, and um, but I was, I was just so happy to see my mother. Fifty years yes. of dedication, or, or at that time it was thirty years of dedication to fight for women that she didn't even know, fight for women that weren't even born yet, like like two-time Olympian Kayla Harrison. She fought for Kayla Harrison before Kayla Harrison was even a thought. I mean, it, it's amazing, and I mean the doors that she had opened now. Judo is going to have a team competition, equal men and equal women. There's a gender equity commission in the International Judo Federation. This would have never happened had it not been for Rusty's resilience. Rusty's get up and fight. And do you know, a few months before she passed away in 2009, the YMCA returned her medal 50 years later. Oh, my goodness. That is... I love that. <laughs> so, you know, I always asked her, I'm like, well, mom, you know, where did, where, where did this come from? And growing up, of course, you know, scrapping and, and being scrappy and, and really a survivor, she learned that uh, how to build your character. Like her babysitters were people, unfortunately, back then they were from what they called the freak show. And Milo, the mule-faced boy, and the pinhead sisters, those were her babysitters. And she realized that it's not what somebody looks like. It's what they're made out of. It's how they treat yes. you, how they treat others. So she started that. And then that's how she learned who she was. And she also knew that it was so wrong for women to be discriminated against just because they're women. She, she used to always reference, I don't care who you are or what you are. If you can carry my big body out of a burning building, you should have the opportunity to be a firefighter. So exactly, you know, and, and I grew up in that, and that's I that's how I became so driven uh, to tell her story and use her story as a platform to help people find their own resilience, help them flourish, help them shift the dynamic in how they think. Because when they took Rusty's medal away, she didn't sit and dwell on it; she got up and fought. Nope. But how did she do that? And that is all through uh, psychological reframing and measuring her success by the, her significance, not by, I mean, by no means, you know, have we ever become rich? And, and she did have one amazing opportunity to be rich, but I guess she didn't know it at the time. Uh, her aunt was one of her role models, and she said her mother was tough, but her aunt Lee, she was strong. 
And that's where she, she, got, she modeled a lot of her intestinal fortitude. Now, her Aunt Lee was, was an artist, and she married a guy named Jackson. And Lee and Jackson are very prominent or, or were a very prominent abstract artist, Lee Krasner Pollock and Jackson Pollock. And when my mother <laughs> married my father, good old Uncle Jackson said, here, have a couple of paintings. But it was too much to carry home on the train. So she's like, nah, that's okay. <laughs> well, in hindsight, that's, uh, that, that was my inheritance because we never got it. And, and I told her, I said, lady, you know, I, ha- I have to go to work for a living now because you couldn't carry a painting home. So. <laughs> <laughs> what a story to be able to share with so many people. Oh, my gosh. Jean, I have had a blast just listening to you. And I know we could go on for so uh, for so long, and we didn't even touch into some of the things that I wanted to chat with you today. Um, one of the things I want to see, I ask, ask you is if you would mind coming back onto our program so that we can continue talking about some amazing things that, that has happened to, in your life here. Absolutely. I would love that. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I wanted we to have, let you know also even... is that we want to post your book on our Divas uh, book club. We have a, a page that we – we host all of our amazing um, guest books, and this book is extraordinary, and I actually can't wait to read it myself. Just listening to you talk about it makes me want to go out and grab it today. So I want to thank you for sharing that with me today. Thanks so much for having me today. Oh, Jean, it was my pleasure. It really was. <laughs> thank you again, and we will definitely have you back on again quite soon here just so that we can chat some more i've really had a great time and a big (laughs) shout out to all of our amazing listeners you have to check out gene's book here i'm going to be posting on all of our social media and i'll be posting some links to purchase this book get up and fight the memoir of rusty kenagoji and you guys i think it's something that you need to read you know with everything that's going on today what an amazing woman uh, Rusty would have been, and I wish, honestly, Jean, I wish I would have had the opportunity to chat with your mom and and to maybe have met her one day. Ah, uh-huh, thank you. That means a lot. Thank you so much. Yes, and well, and you know, as I said, thank you again for being my amazing guest today. Thank you to all of our fantastic listeners. As I said, it's because of all of you guys that we've continued to do this for eleven years, and it's because of all of you that I had the opportunity to meet Jean today. So thank you guys all again. I hope that each and every one of you has a fantastic day and that you do something kind. Until next time, everyone. Thanks for listening. This show was brought to you by Divas That Care. Connect with us on Facebook, on Instagram, and of course on divasthatcare.com where you can subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss a thing.